Hello, and welcome to Episode 9 of Unmasking the Abuser, the podcast. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan. I'm a social psychologist and domestic violence expert. I've been your guide through the range of strategies and tactics used by abusers. The information I'm sharing in this podcast series is all drawn from my prevention program, also called Unmasking the Abuser. Much of this crucial knowledge can also be found in my book, But He Says He Loves Me, which can be found on Amazon. The last episode, episode eight, was a big one. It completed the episodes that highlighted the most common and successful tactics used by abusers to manipulate new romantic partners. If you listened, you now have the key facts in your head. You know and understand abusers' tricks and ploys. You can recognize their maneuvers. I even described having this knowledge as a superpower, something that sets you apart from other people who remain unaware of these moves or their dangerous potential. But as we discussed, knowledge by itself is not power. Even knowledge is important as recognizing abusers' strategies and tactics. Knowledge is only transformed into power when it's used consistently to inform your behavior. To quote Yoda, try not, do or do not, there is no try. In a nutshell, your superpower requires you to do. Use what you know if the situation occurs in real life. That's what we're talking about in this episode, how to use these insights I've shared with you in your real life. This episode is about action and reaction that will protect you from being ensnared in an abusive relationship. These key tools I'm sharing today are as fundamental to your safety as the tactics revealed in the previous episodes. If you're not prepared for how an abuser's ploys are going to look, sound, and feel, you'll remain at risk of being captured by these maneuvers. If you're not ready for how an abuser will respond if you don't react the way he wants, and you're not prepped for what he'll do if you reject him outright, your risk will remain. You may let yourself be talked out of exiting as quickly and completely as possible. Yet getting away and staying away is the only safe option. You cannot remain involved and tell yourself you won't be swayed by an abuser's moves because you know what he's doing. That your new knowledge is a shield that keeps his ploys from influencing you. But that's not how it works. Believing that way leads to trouble. You'll wake up one day and wonder how you were drawn into the most destructive relationship of your life. I want to help prevent that from happening, but you have to help me. Let's do this. In this episode, we're going to talk first about how abusers act and react when their tactics and moves don't work as planned. When their smooth compliments and customized promises don't get you excited and willing to open your heart to a stranger. When you seem wary instead of thrilled when he offers you the world. He'll be perplexed and he'll keep trying. He may step up the love bombing, 
the compliments and warm looks to make you feel like you're encased in a loving blanket of attention and approval. He'll intensify the marathoning, trying to get you to talk even later into the night, lowering your guard and revealing all of your most intimate secrets and deepest fears. He won't know how to handle it when his well-practiced maneuvers just won't work on you. He won't usually just back away, though. An abuser doesn't believe his target has the right to resist his manipulation or reject him as a partner. He views his romantic targets as property, as objects he can purchase and own. If an abuser wants you, he'll believe that's sufficient reason for him to have you. He doesn't believe you have a say. So, He'll pile on more tactics to wear you down. He'll also try a few new tricks if you firmly reject the relationship altogether. Before we discuss the rejection responses, let's talk briefly about what you can do to protect yourself as an abuser tries his various ploys on you. I mentioned last time, it may not be worth it to reject someone outright if you see a single behavior that may or may not be an attempt to manipulate you. One of the reasons abusers' moves are so successful is that they're designed to closely mimic what occurs when someone's really interested, when someone really falls in love. There's a difference that they don't want you to know about, but I'm going to expose. Please note, in doing this, I'm not going to mislead you into expecting perfection of anyone. None of us is perfect. We all have flaws. When we're getting to know someone, we often make mistakes. We'll be nervous or self-conscious or just used to doing things a certain way. What I'm going to show you is how abusers react versus how a regular guy would respond in the same situation, a guy who happens to really like you. Then we'll talk about how to get away if you suspect he may be an abuser. If he is, just telling him you're not interested won't work. But that's for later. For now, if you remember, we began all this with a discussion of the selection process, the preferences abusers have in mind when they're deciding who to pursue romantically. I won't lie, women from traditional backgrounds are at a disadvantage here, and not only because abusers cling to these traditions and use them to completely control their partner. In traditional relationships, the courtship, the getting-to-know-you phase leading up to marriage is very scripted. Everyone knows what they're expected to do and say. In addition, the couple may be given very little time alone away from other people. All of this allows a clever abuser to follow the script closely and pretend to be a decent guy until after the marriage. My recommendation, if this is your culture, is to find older relatives who love you. Ask for their assistance in finding a good husband. Make a list of questions you and your family will ask about your access to money, time with your family, whether you work or not, and anything else that you need to be satisfied in your marriage. Look closely to see how he responds to these questions. If he claims something in front of others, he may feel more obligation to stick to it than if he's not asked or only asked when he's alone with you. 
An abuser in a traditional setting may also seek to get your family's approval by playing up all of the things he'll do for them once you're married. If he does this, he's attempting to buy their compliance and their silence after his mask comes off and you're mistreated or even brutalized. Also, be on the lookout for anyone who has enormous advantages over you, such as age, education, financial resources, or who wants to rush the courting process or move far away after you're married. It doesn't mean he's absolutely an abuser, but if he is, this is how he's going to trap you. If you're living in a farming community, your disadvantage will come from the lack of choice of romantic partners. Your best option here is to make it clear to any potential husband that you're very close to your family and that you're going to insist on seeing them often after you're married. The caution regarding a guy who has enormous advantages over you fits also with selection category two. In these cases, an abuser will knowingly seek a target who has substantial disadvantages compared to him so she'll feel insecure about her shortcomings and submit fully to him. It may seem romantic to get involved with a man who has everything you don't and who promises a wonderful lifestyle. But if your only asset is being young or inexperienced or physically attractive or extremely compliant, you're getting a raw deal. It's not a fair exchange, although he's going to try to convince you that you're getting the better deal. He's doing that on purpose. He wants to decide everything about your lives together. He'll do whatever he can to make sure you have nowhere to go and no resources on hand. When he's cruel and hyper-controlling and he cheats on you, you'll be expected to just accept what he does and his other physical, social, and personality problems without complaint. There are ways to sidestep this risk. Don't deceive yourself that fairy tales turn out happily ever after in real life. Try to avoid films and television shows that glorify heavily imbalanced relationships as the ideal for women. Take real steps to improve your self-esteem and sense of self-worth, sharpen your skills, and increase your willingness to achieve these goals that you want for yourself. Maintain strong friendships. All of this will ensure your quality of life isn't dependent on the status or financial advantages of your partner. Moving on to women in selection category three, you're called a challenge for a reason. Become more of one. Avoid making decisions when you're stressed, lonely, or in a temporary hardship situation. Remind yourself, temporary troubles will pass. Recognize that your judgment will be off when you're going through a struggle. That doesn't make you weak. Don't accept help or build relationships, even superficial ones, with anyone who you don't want in your life. Everything has to be paid for, and letting the wrong person in your life can be extremely expensive emotionally and psychologically. It's not worth it, especially if he turns out to be an abuser. Keep the tricks we talked about in episode two in your mind. Discuss them with your closest girlfriends 
Don't believe it could never happen to you. Reassure yourself that if it does, you'll know how to handle it and him. You're listening to Unmasking the Abuser, the podcast. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan. I think it's good for everyone to have protective moves handy when you begin seeing someone new. Be prepared to resist any ploys that could be manipulation. Keep in mind that an abuser may agree verbally if you rebuff him or ask him to slow down. His actions, however, won't reflect that agreement. He'll just switch up tactics or even continue using the same ones as if you hadn't said anything. Watch, first of all, for the control that often appears from the initial encounter. If you meet somewhere, did he choose the place? Did he select where the two of you sat? Did he insist you try something from the menu or pull that move I mentioned and bring wine to the table after you said you don't want alcohol? Did he take charge of the night forcefully or even with charm? I'm not advising you to seek out relationships with men who want you to make all of the decisions. That's something people sometimes counter with when I talk about these early control moves. But I do want you to ask yourself the next day, did everything end up happening the way he wanted and not the way you wanted? I mentioned this before, but one way to test this is to make at least a few suggestions whenever you go out with someone and watch them closely to gauge how they respond. Does he look angry for a moment and then give a fake smile? Does he smile when he tries to convince you his way is better? Does he just look annoyed? Pay attention. A genuine guy won't mind your suggestions. He wants you to enjoy yourself. And this will show in both his words and his body language. And be extra cautious to the enticement tactics, the love bombing, the fairy tale lure, the you and me against the world. Here, your protection strategy is simple. Don't participate. After learning this material, your instincts should now be on full alert if a guy starts complimenting you a lot when you meet, especially if this involves telling you how special you are when he hasn't yet had a chance to get to know you. Even if he's not an abuser, that sort of behavior speaks of desperation and underestimating your ability to resist obvious feel-good ploys like this. Try to resist being impressed by a guy who flatters you a lot. That will be hard to do and may not work completely. Flattery does make us like people more. So understand it may work on you at least a little, even if your shield is up. Prepare yourself. Don't commit to doing anything again with this guy until you get some time alone and your rational brain has had a chance to reassert itself. You'll need to give yourself time and space to fully digest what happened and your responses before you agree to anything, including getting together again. This also means not immediately fantasizing about how wonderful your relationship is going to be or contacting that friend you have who's going to start planning her bridesmaid's dress as soon as you tell her the evening went well. Take a few deep breaths. Consider everything that happened, 
not just the nice things that he did to get your attention and make you like him. Is there anything you weren't happy about? Did the evening seem too smoothly done? When you use your new superpower, does the evening still seem the same as before? Is there anything that happened that could be looked at a number of ways and you want to get more information before you decide whether or not to see this guy? Yes, I'm going to say this. Don't make plans to get together the next day after your first encounter. Make plans with other people or even plan on doing something at home and stick to it no matter what. If he's an abuser, he'll try to pressure you to change your plans and meet up. He'll want to place himself at the center of your life from the start. If he's not an abuser and he just likes you, he'll appreciate you more if you already have a life and relationships with other people. Please also don't make any big future plans with a guy you've just started seeing, even if it's something you really want to do, like that dream trip to Paris. A short time in Paris, paid for with years of agony and mistreatment? No, that's not a good trade-off. At the same time, don't accept any gifts. Flowers can be the exception, or a small box of chocolates. Some men were brought up to do this out of politeness, and they do it without an agenda. But if he offers you something expensive, in that case, he wants you to feel beholden to him. If he's offering you a new phone, it's probably full of stalker apps. That's not paranoia. That's working in this field long enough to see how this is done. Creepy? Yes. Commonplace? Unfortunately, also yes. Don't try to quiet your alarm bells if they ring loudly after he starts calling you his girlfriend or future wife the first or second time you get together, or says how rare and unique your relationship is when you don't really know each other yet. Be on the lookout for claims like, I've never felt like this before, or I never usually do this, but followed by some kind of pleasing gesture, a promise, a gift, or a suggestion, all designed to make you like him. Remember, abusers have two reliable approaches, speed and intensity. Look out for both. Be careful of anyone who keeps contacting you after you meet. Don't let the marathoning work on you, even if you like a guy. Limit the time you spend with him in person or through the use of technology. Don't act like you have nowhere else to go and nothing else to do. Don't stay up late because you're talking to him. One trick abusers often use is to wait until you want to hang up or disconnect and then ask you something you're passionate about. Oh, just one more thing before I let you go. No, don't buy it. One of the tactics we discussed is domination and the punishment that follows if you're not available whenever he wants to speak with you or when he wants to see you. Refuse to put a special ringtone or text alert on your phone for this new guy. If you're busy, don't answer until you're free. Keep track of how often he contacts you. More than once or twice a day should worry you when your relationship is new. Most people also don't recognize the power and the pull of the feeding the weeds tactic. 
The new guy may invite you to share all of your gripes and problems with him. It's going to be tempting to do it, especially after he starts taking your side in every disagreement you have with other people and saying, yes, your boss is a jerk, then inviting you to contact him about every issue. But do you want a stranger to know so much about your life? If he's an abuser, he'll remember every detail and use it against you whenever he wants to hurt you or to punish you for the length of your relationship and even beyond. Also ask yourself, is it really a good thing to be encouraged to give in to your worst instincts? To be told you're right, even when in your heart you know you're wrong? Does it improve your life if someone tells you how little love and respect you're actually getting from your family, or how little chance you have of promotion at work? Will you be a better, happier person to be coached like this, or will it make you angry, bitter, and argumentative? Feeding the weeds can be as tempting as love bombing for some people. If you give in to it, the destruction to your life and relationships will last even beyond your relationship with the abuser. And be alert for criticism, contempt, or mockery from a new guy. Does he say hurtful things out of the blue? Does he scoff at your beliefs or look dramatically unimpressed by your proudest accomplishments? Does he try to embarrass you in front of other people? If he does any of this, watch out. And also ask yourself, when does it occur? If he's an abuser, you'll quickly notice the negativity increases after you turn down his offer to do something together, or you won't reveal something that's too intimate to share, or you spend time with someone else, even if it's just in conversation. If I could highlight, underline, and put anything in bold here, it's the necessity of building a support group. Make sure all of you know the material I'm exposing with unmasking the abuser. When you go out with someone new, share what's happening with the trusted members of your new support group. Don't go to that family member who always says you're too picky or to the girlfriend who thinks any man is better than no man at all. Only share details with people you can trust. And be sure to tell them if you see any warning signs with a new guy so you can consider your next steps. When you meet someone new, evaluate everything that happens, not just the parts that make you happy or give you bragging rights with your work colleagues. Your support group is there to help protect you from getting involved with an abuser. You don't need them for an ego boost. Now let's discuss one of the areas that's limited by being offered in a short podcast instead of an interactive workshop. I include this material in workshops and seminars because women have told me how hard it can be to firmly say no to someone and stick with it or to outright reject someone and say you don't want a relationship with them. Women are generally socialized to be nice and to back down and to not hurt anyone's feelings. But abusers are counting on that. That's why it's crucial for you to participate here, even if it's only mentally. In the workshops, we all contribute with role play and try out maneuvers we'd expect from an abuser if he was trying to change our minds because we rejected him. 
In the workshops, this is empowering and can even be fun. It also offers a bond between the participants who contribute. They're all helping and bolstering each other. Since we can't do that over a podcast, my first suggestion is that you share these podcasts with other people, the people you're most likely to go to with questions or concerns about your love life, that support group I talked about a little while ago. After you've all listened to the episode so you all know the tactics, take turns offering insights to each other so you can try to replicate what could happen in real life if one of you is being targeted by an abuser. You'll not only be looking for warning signs that someone is a potential abuser, you'll also be reassuring each other not to classify someone as an abuser too quickly. I should say here, though, I'd rather you assess someone too quickly than too slowly. My 20 years working in this field have shown me how rapidly and intensely these moves can impact someone. You don't want to be too quick to judge someone, but you also don't want to make the mistake of taking your time and just seeing what happens. Believe me, if he's an abuser, he won't just be taking his time to see what happens. He'll be applying every influence maneuver he knows to get you to trust him, to get you emotionally attached to him, and to make you dependent on him. And then there are the steps he'll take to get you to reverse the rejection. Let's discuss some of the most common. First up, he'll try to keep you talking about it. He'll tell you he just needs to understand. He knows if he keeps you engaged in conversation, over time, your feelings for him may soften. He'll also be using misattribution to reinterpret whatever's frightened you, so you'll back down. Your response? He doesn't need you to understand why you're rejecting him. No is a full sentence and a complete explanation, as is, because I don't want to. It may be tough to do this if you're used to being nice and saying sorry a lot. Don't say you're sorry when you're rejecting an abuser, or he'll use it as leverage to keep you talking and to get you to reconsider. This is another place where that support group can be useful. Practice saying no. Abusers ask a lot of questions during the grooming phase at the beginning of the relationship. That's what love bombing and marathoning are for. To elicit lots of information about your likes, dislikes, beliefs about yourself, and your fears. An abuser will throw all of this back at you if you reject him. He'll try to make you feel guilty. He'll try to make you feel wrong. If justice is a big deal for you, he'll say you're being unfair. If not being a racist is important to you and you're white, but he isn't, he'll try to convince you it's internalized racism that is really the basis for your rejection. Or he'll tell you it's fear based upon your past, your dad, your ex, the weather, or anything he can come up with to get you to doubt your feelings, quash your fears, and dismiss your intuition where he's concerned. Your response? Expect it and don't defend yourself. Say, "Uh uh-huh, that's right, I really hate men. Have a nice life. Don't feel guilty. You have the right to choose your own partner, no one else. 
Most abusers will ignore your rejection and continue contacting you as much as they did before, and that's a lot. He'll keep sending you funny texts. He'll send you ticket information on that event you kept talking about. He'll video conference you when you're out with your friends. That brings up another ploy rejected abusers are going to use. They're going to stalk you. He'll follow you online, even through new fake accounts. He'll go to the places he'll know you'll be, especially if you're someone who puts pictures of your movements on social media. Your response to these moves? After you reject a guy you suspect is an abuser, you're going to have to go quiet about your movements on public platforms for a while. You should also play it safe and vary your routine. If he confronts you and tries to chat with you about your relationship in front of other people, don't be afraid to tell someone this guy is a problem. If he makes a scene, let him. You can tell them afterwards that his issues are why you rejected him. Here's one ploy that I find truly annoying. Acronym LJBF. Let's just be friends. This is when an abuser pretends to accept your rejection but really wants to hang around long enough to chip away at your resistance. He'll be using on your side as a tactic and anything else he can to convince you that your rejection of him was a mistake. He knows if he can find a way to hang around, sooner or later, his manipulation will work and you'll come around. He's not going to give up. He'll just be more subtle for a while. Your response? If you reject a guy, don't be friends with him for at least a year. Some abusers become threatening when they get rejected. I've had women tell me they were afraid of what he'd do if they said, go away. You have to do it anyway, even if it means getting a protective order from the police requiring him to stay a certain distance away from you. Making you afraid of physical harm isn't the only kind of fear abusers will use. More often, they'll try to convince you that they're your last best hope of having the life you want. That if you persist in your rejection, you're going to end up living alone with too many cats. Abusers often know how to tell a story well. They need that skill to do things like the fairy tale lure. So don't be surprised if he's able to say things that make your stomach drop. He's going to use everything you've told him about yourself against you. Your response, talk to your support group before you tell him to go away. They'll be on the alert in case he does anything mean or dangerous. They'll also be ready to offer some tender loving care after he scared you about your future. They'll remind you he's saying things to hurt you, not because they're true. If you were so bad, he wouldn't have put so much effort into targeting you. When you reject an abuser, please be prepared. It can take time before he gives up. Remember what I mentioned, that abusers don't believe that their targets have the right to reject them. If you reject an abuser, his malignant narcissism will be outraged. He'll put enormous effort into keeping you from walking away. I know a woman who had a short relationship with an abuser and ended up being harassed, threatened, doxxed, stalked, and bothered for two years afterwards. 
She ended up having to take him to court. She stayed firm throughout, though, and kept going. By the way, she's been in a relationship with a really nice guy for more than 10 years now, and they have a lovely son together. So are you clear now on what to do if you're targeted by an abuser? If you have any questions or comments, please email me at unmaskingpodcast at gmail.com. That's unmaskingpodcast, all one word, at gmail.com. If you like what you're hearing, please leave a nice comment on the podcast platform that you're using and share this information with everyone you know. Speaking of people you know, in the next episode, we're going to talk about ways to recognize abusive manipulation being used on someone else. It's important knowledge for family, friends, parents, educators, and anyone in the helping professions. I hope you'll join me then on Unmasking the Abuser, the podcast. I'm Dr. Dina McMillan.